Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center. Here we dream revival and serve people with love. Today, Pastor Priji begins a new series, The Gospel According to Paul, where he teaches from the book of Romans. Prepare yourself to dig in deeper to know about Jesus through the eyes of Apostle Paul. So what are we studying this season? The Gospel According to Apostle Paul. Yeah. So let's begin with the book of Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. We are going to study uh chapter 1 today. Let's try and read through the entire chapter if possible uh through the course of this morning. Verse 1 it says, this letter is from Paul and this is the description of Paul. I'm a slave of Christ Jesus. and i'm chosen by god to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news this is this is how paul describes himself what are the characteristics that he mentions about himself i am a slave of jesus christ and i am chosen by god for what to be an apostle and i am sent out to preach the good news okay so there are few few things few uh, uh, things that you see as criteria categories uh, the first is the fact that he says i i i'm i don't belong to myself i am a slave of christ jesus the second thing that you see is that he says i am not just a slave of jesus I am chosen by Jesus because I am a slave of Jesus. I'm I'm chosen by Jesus. I am somebody that has been handpicked by Jesus. Then he goes on to say I am also an apostle. I am somebody that is sent out by this Jesus. The word meaning of apostle means to be sent. And then he goes on to say I am sent out to preach the good news to Uh, to to talk about the gospel the other translations would use the word set apart for the gospel of god the esv translation would say set apart the kgv translation would say separated for the gospel of god i am exclusively meant for this purpose that is how paul saw himself you know paul is writing this letter not to unbelievers mind you he's writing this letter to the believers to the christians to the church at rome and he is telling them what should be their greatest assignment in life what should be their calling by describing his own calling and he says this is my calling in life i am set apart i am consecrated i am separated i have been uh, you know kept in a, a a whole different category just to be a preacher of the good news of jesus this is why god set me apart verse 2 he says this is a good news god promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the holy scriptures and we know about this all through the old testament there are so many prophetic utterances prophetic scriptures about the person of jesus about the good news that will be preached in the new testament see the new testament authors or writers or evangelists or preachers they didn't come to preach the gospel all by themselves they didn't you know just invent a gospel the new testament authors they preached a gospel that was uh, foreshadowed in the old testament there was prophesied about in the old testament there was spoken about in the previous seasons Okay and now here comes apostle Paul and he says this is the same gospel the gospel that I'm set apart for is the same gospel that God promised that there was spoken through prophets from long time ago if you study the old testament there were there are about 44 exclusive scriptures referring to details in the life of Jesus where he will be born who will be his parents what will be their the environment or the time or the season when he is born how much time will it be from uh, a, a particular for example you know that in the book of daniel you see the details mentioned about how from the time the 
captives, the exiles are released to the time that Jesus is crucified. How much time will it be? How many years will it be? How many days will it be? Exact details have been given in the Old Testament. So every, you know, you, it's necessary for us to understand the context of the gospel that we are preaching. We are not preaching this gospel out of nowhere. This gospel has a context. It has been prophesied about from the beginning, from right from the book of Genesis. You see this being spoken about. You see this being talked about right from the time that God told Eve, your seed is going to crush the head of this serpent. Your seed is going to crush the uh, seed that, that, that the serpent will deliver. So this was a gospel that was promised. This was a gospel that was prophesied about. Verse 3, it says the good news is about his son. It, because in his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. So he's now going to describe what this good news is. First he says, I am set apart to be a carrier of this good news. Then he says, this is the good news that has been prophesied about, predicted, promised by prophets. Then he says, now this is the good news about Jesus. This is the good news about the Son of God, the one who was born into the family line of David. Now he's talking about the human incarnation of Jesus, the, the flesh incarnation of Jesus. And he says, this Jesus was born in the family line of King David. And he goes on to say in verse 4, and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. So there are two elements to Jesus, two elements to the person of Jesus. One is the physical or the human side, and one is the divine side, the divine nature. There were two prophecies, two exclusive things that were spoken about Jesus in the Old Testament. One, that he will be born in the family of David, that he will be in the family line of Jesse. Another, that he will be the son of God, that he will be the Emmanuel, he will be God, everlasting God, the Prince of Peace. There was a prophecy about how he is the, he's not just a human king like all the other kings because David had a lot of sons who became kings. But now here is a king who is coming who's not just a human being, but he is also God. The prophecy was that he will be an everlasting God. And the Bible says this was proven, there were two proofs for this gospel. One was that he was born of the family line of David, which proved his humanity. Second was that he was, not only was he born in the family line of David, now he was raised from the dead. That is what sets Jesus apart. That is what keeps our gospel different from everything else. Because many people were crucified. It's not only Jesus who was crucified. Many people were put to death. Many people were hurt. Many people were destroyed. But it was only Jesus who was raised back from dead. The Bible says that he was shown to be the son of God by being resurrected. Another translation would use the word that he was shown to be the son of God because he was resurrected with the spirit of holiness. Because of the spirit of holiness, you know, the, what NLT translation says, Holy Spirit. The other translations would, the KGV translations, the root word translations would say the spirit of holiness that raised Jesus back from the grave. See, the one reason why Jesus could legally rise back up from the grave was because he had a spirit of holiness. All through his life, he was absolutely pure, absolutely holy. That is our gospel. It says that this is the gospel that we preach. The gospel is about how Jesus was born from the family line of David and also about how he was uh, raised by this spirit of holiness. He was raised back from dead by this spirit of holiness. Verse 5, it says, through Christ, now God has given us Everybody say us. us. 
Now God has given us the privilege and the authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey and will end up bringing glory to his name. Now Paul is looking at uh, the church and Paul is looking at all the apostles and he says now this is the story, this is the gospel. Now through this Jesus who was from the family line of David and who was proved to be the son of God by being resurrected from the grave. Through this Jesus, now you and I, we've been called to be preachers of this good news, to be apostles of this good news, to take this gospel to the ends of the earth for the glory of his name. Paul is putting himself in a very uh, difficult position because he says, now, this is, this is the, the fact that Jesus is alive. The fact that Jesus came from the line of David. Now that is enough for me to know that I, I got to be a missionary. I got to be a preacher of this good news. I cannot just be a hearer of this good news. And I cannot just be somebody that is listening to this week after week. Now I have to become somebody that is going to carry this good news uh, to the ends of the earth so that they will also believe and they will also obey him bringing glory to his name verse 6 it says and you he's pointing to the church and he says you you are included among the gentiles who have been called to belong to christ jesus all of you guys you and i we are part of the church that apostle paul is writing to we are a gentile church right we are not Jews. I, I hope uh, none of us in this place are Jews, but this word is applicable both for the Jews and the Gentiles. But Paul is right now referring specifically to a Gentile church. And he says, and you guys, you are included among the Gentiles because you've been called to do what? You've been called to what? To Christianity. You've been called to what? To belong to Christ Jesus. That is the life to which we've been called. We've been called to consecration. We've been called to no longer belong to ourselves. Which means, now you and I, our words, our preaching, our testimony, everything has to be such that we are representing Jesus. We are talking about Jesus. We are not just called to be uh, ourselves. We are not just called to be who we are on the, uh, you know, in our natural self. You know, when we are growing up, we have our own personality traits. We learn our own things. We, uh, we, we pick up our own, uh, you know, habits and lifestyles. But here, here we see that Paul says, now we can't do that anymore. Now we can't live like that anymore because now we belong to Christ Jesus. Now we have a separate identity. Now we have a separate purpose. And our purpose is to represent Him. Verse 6, it says, Now you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Christ Jesus. Verse 7, I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be His own holy people. Look at your neighbor and say, You are called to be God's own holy people. Come on, look at another neighbor and say, you are also called to be his own holy people. Let me, let me read this same scripture from the Amplified Translation. It says, I am writing to all who are beloved of God. How many of you know that we are beloved of God? It says, I am writing to all who are beloved of God in BRC. And they are called to be saints. What the NLT calls holy people of God, the other translation says you're called to be saints. Which means when God looks at you, he doesn't look at you as an ordinary person. He looks at you as a saint. He says that is your calling. Your calling is to be a holy person. It says you've been called to be saints, that is God's people, and are set apart for a sanctified life. When we look at sanctified life, we think sanctified life means to, um, you know, to not sin, to not 
uh, have particular habits in life to not do certain things although all those things are part of it but that's that's not it it goes on to say sanctified life which means that is set apart for god and his purposes so i'll tell you what unholiness is unholiness is not when you go smoke or drink unholiness is when you do something which is not in god's plan for your life do you understand what i'm saying unholiness is you stepping out of god's purposes for you the moment you step out of god's purposes the moment you step out of god's plan for your life because the bible says you've been called to be a saint you've been called to be set apart you've been called to be sanctified you've been called for a holy purpose now anything that you do outside of this purpose you're stepping outside your sanctified life you're stepping outside your uh, calling to be saint that is why apostle paul is repeatedly saying hey this is my purpose here on earth i have been called to be a preacher of the good news i have been called so everything that i do whether i work in a corporate place whether i raise my children whether i do my marriage whether i serve people in my church whether i preach a sermon or don't preach a sermon everything that i do has to be to preach the good news of jesus so anything that i do outside of that i am actually living a life that is not sanctified verse 8 he, he he now goes by the way till verse 7 is the introduction to the book of romans now verse 8 is where he starts explaining this good news about about the son of god you remember verse 3 it says this good news is about the son of god it's about jesus it's not about sin it's not about the cross it is not even about the resurrection it is about jesus come on sometimes we idolize spiritual concepts but the bible says the good news is about jesus the gospel is all about jesus and this this gospel now he goes on to explain this gospel verse 8 he says let me say first that i thank my god through Christ Jesus for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world everything that you have been preaching everything that you've been doing see if your faith cannot be talked about if your faith is just some is just an idea and it cannot be talked about then i i i doubt whether we have faith because faith needs to have actions for it to be alive your faith without actions is dead here is a church that has faith and they have an action that is that is representing that that uh, that faith that they have and the bible says this faith has been talked about all over the world this faith became a story for people to recount to tell their children to tell their family members to tell other churches and so paul says so i i'm thankful for that verse 9 god knows how often i pray for you day and night i bring you and your needs in prayer to god whom i serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son he says now day and night this is the god that i pray pray to this is the god that i serve day and night i bring you and your needs and your requirements and your prayers everything that you are burdened about i bring it before god because i serve him with all my heart how do i serve him by spreading the good news about his son by spreading the news of who Jesus is how he came from the family line of David and how he was resurrected from the uh, grave verse 10 it says one of the things that i always pray for is the opportunity that god willing i'll be able to come to you at last and be able to see you this is a church paul is writing to which he has not even seen so he has had a virtual online ministry with these guys it says verse 11 for i long to visit you 
So I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. He says, I, I, I know that you have faith and your faith has been spoken all over the world and now my desire is that I will be able to come meet with you in person. I've actually been praying for you, praying that you will abound in your, in your, in your good works. I've been praying that your needs will be taken care of by God. Day and night, I've been, I've been praying to this God about whom I'm preaching. And he says, now I desire that I will come in person and I will lay my hands upon you and I will impart a spiritual gift to you. You will see the description of it later. He says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. Can you imagine a church where the pastors and the preachers get as much encouragement as much they are giving? It says, Paul says, this is my desire for you, church. I don't know if you have reached there yet, but this is my desire for you. That when we get together, that when I finally come to pray for you and lay my hands upon you, that I will also be encouraged by your faith. That as much as I would like to release an impartation over your life, I want to go back encouraged from this gathering. So if, if, if we can pray saying, God, give us every service that we have, I want to be a reason for somebody else's encouragement. I don't care if that is a pastor. I don't care if that is a a senior leader, an anointed man of God. Whoever it is that comes, I want to be the reason for somebody else to also be encouraged. I want to be a reason for somebody else to be pushed into serving God better. Verse 13. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many visits, many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work Uh, among you and see spiritual fruit just as I have seen among the other Gentiles. Verse 14, for I have a great sense of obligation. Everybody say obligation. Obligation. To people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and the uneducated people alike. He's saying, I have this obligation, I have this deep sense of obligation to do what? Towards these people. Which people? Only people that I like? See, Paul was a learned person. Paul had sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He was very well versed in scriptures. But now he's saying, no, my sense of obligation is not only to the learned. It is also to the unlearned. It is not only to the civilized people in Rome, it is also to the uncivilized barbarians. See, when Paul is writing to the church at Rome, you should understand Rome at that time is the capital city of the whole world, the whole known world at that time. You understand when I'm saying that Rome was like the United States of America back then. So saying that I'm writing to a church at Rome would mean I'm writing to a church that is, uh, you know, one of the, the, the whole church in the, in the city of New York or, or Washington or those places where there is a lot of influence that, that goes out from there globally. And that is the church that he's writing to. And he says, my obligation is not only to you guys. My obligation is to everybody, to the civilized and to the uncivilized, to the educated and to the uneducated. I, my heart goes out for each and every one of them. And this is my heart. This is my obligation. Verse 15 says, So I am eager to come to you in Rome too. To do what? To do what? Why am I eager to come to you, Rome? See, Rome has a lot of wealth at this moment. Rome has a lot of entertainment at this moment. Rome has a lot of... Uh, fancy things, you know, the, the should be, practically speaking, should be the richest city on the earth at that time, right? Rome would look beautiful, look, look gorgeous. Not, I'm not coming to do tourism. I would like to come to Rome because I would like to preach the good news there so that I can 
I can come and see the spiritual fruit in the church there, in the, in the city there. I can see people come to the Lord even in the city of Rome. Verse 16, read it out loud and clear together. One, two, three, go. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first, and also the Gentile. One more time. For I, come on, I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first, and also the Gentile. One more time. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ, because this good news is the power of Christ that is at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This is the, this is the power of God at work. You know, I don't know what, what do you think it means to have power of God. Sometimes we have a very vague understanding of what it means to carry the power of God. We think that if I lay hands, people will fall. If I lay hands, you know, somebody should be healed. If I lay hands, something should happen. All of that is also a demonstration of power. I'm not denying it. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. But the ultimate power of God that is at work on, in the lives of people, it is the good news. It is the preaching of the good news. Do you know that when you preach the good news, when you talk about Jesus to somebody else, there is life going out of your words. That is a life. See, let me ask you this. You, you know you have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. Yeah? Now, if I have power to heal your body, if I lay hands on, your, on whichever part of your body, and let's say a new new hand grows out if you don't have a hand. Would you say that is powerful? It is powerful. But you should understand that is physical. Okay? So what is more powerful in the, in the physical or in the spiritual? Because what, 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 what is born or birthed in the physical will perish with the physical. There is an expiry date for, the, for what is in the physical. But what is birth in the spiritual, there is no expiry date to that. So when I speak the good news about Jesus, when I preach who Jesus is, you may not understand it, you may not like it, you may not believe in it, but you should understand it is the power of God that is at work. It is power being released into the hearts and the minds and the lives of people. And to those that believe in it, those that accept it, to those people, these words, these normal, ordinary sounding words, those words will become the power of God. Now it will create in them a spiritual life which will last for all eternity. Now tell me what is more powerful? What is more life lasting? What is more long lasting? And, and that is why it is necessary that as a church, we take it upon ourselves to be preachers of this good news. Because when we are preachers of this good news, we are going to partake of the raw power of God. We can't expect to uh, tap into the power of God if we are not preaching the good news. Most of, most of the times when I have, uh, you know, seen very radical healings is when I prayed for people that didn't know about Jesus and I would talk to them about Jesus and then we'll pray and crazy things have happened. When we've, there was this woman that we were praying for and uh, she couldn't hear for like a few years, okay? And somebody just took us to their home to pray for them and, and she couldn't even um, hear. And, uh, and I am teaching uh, the children of the house. The mother is the one who has lost her hearing for a long time. And I'm teaching the children, I'm telling them, hey, if you will give your life to Jesus, if you will, you know, serve this Jesus, it's really worth it. And, you know, we're trying to have a conversation with them. And within a few minutes, that mother starts shrieking, starts, uh, you know, screaming at the top of her voice. And uh, then they, this was in, uh, this was in, uh, I think this was in Kenya. And, and, and they're all talking in a language that I don't understand. And they're all running around the house because... Uh, 
all of a sudden her ears just popped open and she's not heard in a few years she's she's out of old age her ears had just stopped functioning and all of a sudden she began to hear and hear clearly and she could understand everything that i am saying and everything that I'm... now now you should understand i didn't even pray for her i didn't even have to lay hands upon her now i'm not saying you should not pray i'm not saying you should not lay hands you should do that as and when the lord brings somebody sick before you please lay hands please pray for them but just the words that you speak is enough the 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 raw power of god can be accessed when you preach the good news when you talk about who jesus is because when jesus is released into an atmosphere that presence of jesus can bring back to life everything else because life doesn't flow from the physical to the spiritual life flows from the spiritual to the physical it is not the other way around how did god create us god who is spirit came and breathed life into us yes no maybe maybe not who is god is is god in the flesh no god is spirit the bible says and he came and he breathed his life and that is how adam became a living personality now you and i we have the same grace now to speak words that will bring people to life that will release the raw power of god that is why the bible says that is why paul says when i come to you i'm coming to preach the good news because this is a good news that i'm not ashamed to preach i know all of you are very educated people i know you are very rational people i know you are very logical sounding logical thinking people but this good news it is of the power of god both for the educated and for the uneducated for all those that believe this good news will set them free verse 17 this good news tells us how god makes us right in his sight this is accomplished from start to finish by faith as the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life the just shall live by faith he's he's talking about how this good news works how this gospel works he began by explaining who this gospel is this gospel is about jesus it's all about jesus He is the son of God. He is the one who in the physical he came in the family line of David and in the spiritual in the divine sense he was risen back to life by the spirit of holiness. Now this Jesus is the one that I'm preaching to you about and every time I talk to you about Jesus there is raw power of God that is released and is and is manifesting in your life. And then he goes on to say this good news it is a good news that makes us right with god but how by faith it is only by faith that somebody can access this gospel nothing else it is not by partnership it is not by money it is not by uh, doing your own uh, religious work the only thing that you can do to access the work of god in your life is by faith from start to the end everything happens by faith now he says uh, the the amplified bible it says for in the gospel the righteousness of god is revealed it it doesn't say just that god makes us right it says now the righteousness of god is revealed in the gospel the righteousness of god the the rightness of god the goodness of god the the holiness of god the purity of god it is revealed in the gospel both springing from faith and leading to faith so it, it, it you know the other translations would say faith to faith faith for faith which means that the beginning of it has to be in faith when you believe in god you you put your trust in god that is when that is your origin point of your relationship with god but the end point of your relationship the destiny the the ultimate destiny is also in faith because without faith we can never please god without faith we can never experience anything from god and that's what he says he says this 
whole relationship with God, this righteousness of God that has to manifest for us, it is manifested in and through faith. It's disclosed in a way that awakens more faith. So every time the preaching of the word comes, okay, let me explain this to you. You will not be able to experience the power of this word unless you have faith, unless you're willing to believe. But once you receive this word, you will even grow even in even more faith. You understand? That is why it says faith to faith. It is not possible for you to receive this word without faith. And the result of receiving this word is also more faith. We'll read about this later on in the book of Romans. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Hearing the word of Christ. Faith comes. Faith increases. Faith is released. Faith is beginning to manifest when you hear this word of God. Amen. Then it says, verse 18, for God shows his anger from heaven. The other translations would use the word wrath. Not just anger, the wrath. It says, for God shows his anger from heaven against all wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. It says in verse 19 that these guys, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Uh, verse 24, ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see the invisible qualities, His eternal power and His divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God, for not acknowledging God. It says that this God, His wrath is being poured out on every wicked people, every wickedness. You understand, we just redefined wickedness some time back. What is wickedness? Wickedness is when you and I step out of the plan and the purposes of God for our lives. That is our definition of holiness. You know, uh, you know, everybody can define sin in a different way. But in this church, this is how we define sin. We define sin as stepping outside God's will for our life. Yeah. The Bible says that, see, this is the wrath of God that is being poured out on every person that is uh, living a life of wickedness. That is living a life that is wanting to just be self-serving and, and doing whatever they want to do. It says that they know about God. Because from the beginning of time, there has been revelations about God that has been deposited into our lives. It has been made evident from the world around us. You know, so many times we get questions like, what happens to people that don't know Jesus? That, don't, that have never heard about Jesus? That don't know the gospel? What happens to them? Here is scripture. It says that everything, every person, they have, they have been given a revelation about who Jesus is. They have been given a revelation about who this God is. His invisible qualities, His eternal power and His divine nature. They do not have an excuse for not knowing God. None of us can stand before God on the judgment day and say, wait, I'm sorry, I didn't know about this. We will not have an excuse for not knowing God because His power is made manifest through creation. His power is made manifest. It's displayed through different things that we see in the world around us. Then he goes on to say, verse 21, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God even or even give Him thanks. So, because they didn't worship Him, because they didn't give him thanks, because they didn't give him glory, because they knew him and still didn't respond to this God, it says now they have begun to think up foolish ideas of what God is like. Check this out. What is Paul doing? Paul is preaching the gospel, okay? Paul is telling us what is the gospel. The gospel involves knowing who he himself is. He's saying, I'm a preacher of this good news. I'm a preacher of this gospel. The gospel involves knowing that I've been set apart to preach this gospel. And this is the gospel. This is the gospel that talks about Jesus who is human and divine at the same time. And I am sold out to preach this gospel. I'm not ashamed to preach this gospel. I'll preach this anywhere to educated and uneducated alike. I'll preach this. 
And this is that now he's coming to the crux of the matter and he says, hey guys, check this out. This has to be from the start to the end. It has to be received and worked out through faith. Then he says, hey, God's wrath is being poured out on people that live wicked lives. God's wrath, his anger is being poured out. Now, when you and I look at that statement, what do we expect? Sodom and Gomorrah. We expect somebody that is some angel that is coming from heaven and, you know, slashing somebody's head off. I mean, like we have our own crazy imaginary ideas about what the wrath of God would look like. But here, check this out. It says, the wrath of God meant that these guys, they began to think up very foolish ideas about God. Now they, because God was angry with them, because they did not glorify God, because they did not worship God, they ended up creating their own God. They ended up making their own idols that they began to glorify, that they began to run after. You know, there is never a, there is never a thing called as an atheist. There's never a person who doesn't believe in God. Everybody runs after something or the other. Everybody pursues something or the other. Everybody worships something or the other. It could either be money, it could be yourself, it could be your own security, your own family, your own relationships. There's nobody who doesn't have a God. Everybody has a God. It says that this is the result, the reason these foolish temporary things become your God is because you did not choose to worship God. Even though God revealed him to himself to you, because you did not submit to him, now these temporary things in life has begun to become your God. Now you have begun thinking up foolish ideas, the Bible says, of what God was like. And as a result, it says their minds became... Come on, read it out loud. Their minds became dark and confused as a result of this worship. See, you should understand your worship has the power to free you. Whatever you worship, if you worship temporary you know, things, your mind will become dark and it will become confused. If you worship, that's why it is very necessary to keep a check on how much you are on social media. That is why it is very necessary to uh, think how much time you are on Netflix. That is why it is necessary to keep a check on how much time you spend with your friends, how much time you spend in front of that television, how much time you give to your gaming and, and, and to, the, to the temporary things. Because it's just a matter of time. Because if you are constantly worshipping this thing, then you will end up your mind, the Bible says, it will end up being dark and confused. Now, this is not, this is not just talking about unbelievers here. This is even applicable for us believers. When we know who God is, but we don't worship Him, we don't give Him our first love, we don't give Him our first priority, but then we choose to worship other things, our minds become dark and confused. And then we think it is the attack of the? <laughs> then we think somebody has done spiritual witchcraft and black magic. and No, trust me, your, your mind is confused because you're not worshipping the right thing. You worship the right person, you worship the right source, automatically your mind will clear up. What are you meditating on constantly? What is your eyes, gaze fixed on? If it's fixed on idols, then you will begin to function like your idols. Psalm 115, it says, they that worship those idols, they become like those idols. They have eyes, but they do not see. Ears, but do not They have mouths, but they do not speak. So anybody that worship these idols, it could be a, a cricket star. It could be a movie star. It could be anybody. You know that they have things in their life that they will not openly declare or talk about. But when you begin to adore, admire, become such a fanboy, fangirl of these guys, automatically their hidden characteristics will begin to manifest in ours. 
and then we are wondering why is my mind so dark why am i why is all these ideas coming into my head why is why am i confused all the time why am i experiencing this battle in my mind it is not because god has not freed you it is not because god has not revealed himself to you it is because you chose to fix your gaze upon something temporary rather than putting it on something eternal verse 22 are you ready for this it says claiming to be wise what did they actually become they actually became utter fools so they they claim wait i i know everything about what's going on in the world i know i'm wise i'm very knowledgeable about the the economy i'm very knowledgeable about the politics i i know the solutions the answers to what the business needs right now i know i'm i'm very wise but you know what you don't know is that you've been meditating on these so long that these have become your idols now you may you may claim to be wise in these things but the bible says you are utterly foolish verse 23 it says and instead of worshiping the glorious ever living god they worshiped idols made to look like mere people birds animals and reptiles do you know this is the wrath of god this is the judgment of god this is what it means to be separated from god this is what happens when we live a life devoid of god the verse next very scary verse 24 it says so god abandoned them to hell no where did god abandon them to do whatever shameful things there wait a minute now if if i have to say if i have to you know say i am going to pray for whatever your heart desires there will be a long queue out here and everybody will line up here but don't you you know what but what what the scripture says it says that whatever your heart desires if god has to give you up for whatever your heart desires that is judgment that is god abandoning you so sometimes when god doesn't give you what you want what you need what you like it is god's mercy over your life it is god's grace over you it is god's protective care over your life but when we persist and when we say no this is what i like this is how i like it i want to marry this guy i want to do this job i want to do leave this then at some point god will say okay that is what you want that has now become your idol that has now become your god now go and do what you want and then you will come back saying pastor i'm feeling so confused pastor i'm feeling so dark pastor now i'm 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 entering into these things that i should not have entered into why is it it's not because you did not have a revelation of god it's because you did not glorify him as god you know if you read the earlier verse where paul is introducing jesus he says, he says jesus christ is our lord you know what what it means to say jesus is our lord it means that he is now the master the ruler the controller the the last the final say the final authority in every area of my life and when i don't give him that place when i don't give him that glory that credit that place of authority in my life then i will live a very debased life the bible says it says as a result they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies they traded the truth about god for a lie so they worshiped and served the things that god created instead of the creator himself he is the one who is worthy of eternal praise that is why i'm 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 going to take the liberty to read this next couple of verses allow me to okay says verse 26 that is why god abandoned them to their shameful desires even the women turned against their natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other and the men instead of having normal sexual relations with women they burned with lust for each other men did shameful things with other men and as a result of this sin they suffered within themselves the penalty that they deserved what is this this is god abandoning us to our own desires when we want to do our thing 
we want to do what we like we want to do what we want then you know then you're like you're you're thinking wait why why will god give me a desire that he doesn't want to allow in my life why will god make me like this guy or like this girl you know i have had people come and tell me how is it that i you know i have so much of love in my heart for this person if god doesn't want me to love this person it's not because it's not because god desired it's not because god gave it to you it's because you pushed for it and finally god said okay go i abandon you to your own desires it says since they thought it foolish to acknowledge god he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do what they should never be done what should have never been done the the problem was that they 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 thought it was a foolish idea to give god that much control in my life they thought it was such a bad decision to give these areas of my life into god's hands i can go to church on sunday i can put my tithes every month i will even serve in the worship team or in the ushering team but monday to saturday don't tell me how i should live monday to saturday i'll do my own thing and as a result of it what does it say it says that he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and and they thought this is very wise way of living in fact it was god abandoning them to just do whatever what should have never been done in the first place sometimes we think okay now wait god is in control of my life right everything will be all right everything will be fine everything will be uh, okay you know i don't have to uh, you know just keep uh, being sad about these things don't worry things happen mistakes happen as much as god is in control it is the fact that god has put the decision into your hands what do you want do you want to serve me or do you want to serve your desires do you want to serve your things the the creation around you the creation that i created with my hands do you want to worship this or do you want to worship that and it's worse it says verse 29 their lives became full of every kind of wickedness sin greed hate envy murder quarreling deception malicious behavior gossip they are backstabbers haters of god insolent proud and boastful they invent new ways new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents they refuse to understand you know refuse to understand come on is that even a sin that's scripturally that's a sin they break their promises they are heartless they have no mercy check this out god is saying this is the result of us stopping to glorify him as god this is the result of us stopping to acknowledge who is god in our lives that automatically these things begin to manifest because now we have put our gaze on human beings now we have put our attention on people sometimes even christians sometimes even believers they may be your pastors they may be your elders they may be your mentors spiritual fathers you're not supposed to idolize them you can imitate them but you cannot idolize them the de- the movement because you should understand you as much as you would like to believe that your pastors are okay they are perfect they have their own struggles they have their own weaknesses they have their own low moments they have their own uh, moments of failure let me give you this example do you know eli what was his biggest problem his children did not serve god right and there was somebody that was mentored and trained by eli samuel do you know what was his mistake his children didn't serve god did you know that his children samuel's children they were unrighteous people who didn't serve god samuel the most anointed prophet in israel the man the bible says his words would never fall to the ground 
this man's children also didn't serve God. Why? Because at some point, he didn't, he didn't disconnect from that idolizing of Eli. As much as Eli has to train him, lead him, there is a point where this man has to put a boundary and say, no, I cannot idolize you to the point where your weakness becomes my weakness, where your struggles become my struggles, where your failures become my failures. No, I will love you, I will follow you, I will honor you, but that doesn't mean that I will put up with your failures. I've been given the grace to see this failure so I can overcome them. Not to just say a yes to everything that I've been shown. And it is necessary, my dear church. We cannot idolize anybody. There is only one. See, even angels, when, when they would come to reveal God's word to people, right? There will be people who don't have spiritual intelligence and they will just fall to the feet and they'll start worshiping, hugging. Even Apostle John did that. Okay? In the, in the book of Revelation, you would see Apostle John, who is mature in spirit, who is like, you know, in his 90s, who has walked with Jesus himself. When the glory manifested, it was very normal for John to fall to the feet of an angel and say, wow, this is, this is crazy. I, I, you know, and immediately the angel pushed back and said, no, I'm not God. I'm not worthy of worship. I, I am just one of the other brothers that serve you guys. I'm not supposed to be worshipped here. There is only one that is worthy of worship. Because if you worship anybody... Now, now, look at this. Angels. If you worship an angel, what is so bad about an angel? Angels are good creatures, right? They're, they're not sinful creatures. What, what will manifest if you worship an angel? What will manifest? Check out Lucifer. What manifests anybody that worships Lucifer? See, anything that you worship, you should understand, it's like this. I'll explain this to you. Anything or anybody that worships, that you worship, that person may be good, but the moment you worship that person, you just attract him, attract that all kinds of negative things towards that person. There is a story in the New Testament of how King Herod, in the book of Acts, he says he, he threw a large party, huge party, okay, for everybody who came to his, uh, you know, court. And the Bible says everybody looked at this man and said, man, this guy is a God. Herod didn't say it, people said it. People began to claim that this guy is God. And immediately an angel from heaven came and struck him dead. And the Bible says immediately worms started eating him up. Whose mistake was it? It was not Herod's mistake. It was the people's mistake because anything that is worshipped, anybody that is worshipped, it attracts power. It carries power. And it has the ability to now deface you, to change how you think, to change how you believe, to make you confused and dark. And that is why church in this season, we need to return back to our worship. This is what gospel is. Gospel is repositioning people's worship. When you go to people and you tell them, you show them the real object of their worship. When you tell them who they should be glorifying, who they should be running after, why it is such a foolish thing to run after temporary things. When you open their eyes to that, that is what the gospel is all about. Gospel is bringing them to a revelation of the only worthy person in scripture to be glorified, to be honored, to be exalted, and that is Jesus himself. Amen. Verse 32, the last verse for this morning, and we'll finish. It says, they know God's justice requires that those who do these things, they deserve to die. Yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do also. Others. You should, you should just check out some of the social media posts of some of the celebrities that we are such big fans of. You should see some of their lifestyles, what they encourage others to do. It says that they know that God's justice requires that those who do these things must die. And we are not talking about physical death here. We are talking about eternal, spiritual death, 
a life apart from God, a life devoid of God. And it says, even though they know this, they still continue in their own lives. So this morning, I'm, I'm asking, is there anybody in this place that you don't know who you worship? You don't know where your worship is. You don't know who you admire, who you adore. Is there anybody in this place that is fixated, whose gaze is upon material things, whose gaze is upon physical people, whose gaze is upon anything that is not God? If there is, then it is time. It is, this is the morning where we reposition our worship, where we change our perspective, where we fits our gaze upon Jesus, the one who is truly worthy of worship, the one who is truly worthy of glory and honor. Thank you for tuning in for today's sermon. We hope this word has been a blessing to you. Do visit us at dreamingrevival.com for more information. You're welcome to tune in every Sunday for our live celebration service at 11am at youtube.com slash Pastor God bless you and have a blessed week.